of this Thursday night on a hill, a hill that overlooks a deep valley across from Jerusalem, the city's on the other side. And the yellow lights of all the pilgrim campfires around the city are, are shining in the darkness. And, and here across the way on the side of the hill opposite in this olive, is this olive garden with, with olive trees and its branches reaching up, reaching up into the darkness. And it's in this place and it's at this time now that we walk with Jesus into this garden and and we sit with him in the darkness, in the quiet, and in the stillness of that night. And as we sit there with him, we get to share a conversation that he has with God, his Father. As we've been learning and practicing over this Lent season, and hopefully as you've been experiencing together, we get to join in that conversation both speaking and listening. Right, so much has already happened on this Thursday evening, right? The disciples' feet have been washed already by Jesus. The Passover meal has been celebrated. Judas has, has snuck out and he's gone to find Caiaphas to betray Jesus. And now it's nearly midnight. And these 12 men, Jesus and his 11 remaining disciples, are, are walking through the dark streets of Jerusalem. And they walk through the streets and they go out the fountain gate. And the, street, the streets outside the city walls are, are again lined with these campfires of these pilgrims who are there to celebrate the Passover and spending the night just outside the city. These are the same pilgrims who just, just a few days ago were lining the streets and shouting, Hosanna! They were the ones waving the palm branches. They were the ones laying their coats down in front of Jesus as a red carpet royal welcome. Only this time Jesus walks through their camps, past their fires, and nobody much notices this group of 12. They're probably sleeping. It's late. Nobody gets up and follows him. Nobody shouts anything. And Jesus and his disciples go down that valley out the city, back up the other side, onto the Mount of Olives, where Jesus is going to wrestle with God this night. Because Jesus knew what was coming for him this weekend. He knew that this is the final battle that he had been preparing for all these years, and it was now at hand. He knew that before this weekend was over, he would be betrayed. He knew that he was going to be arrested. He knew that he was going to be beaten mercilessly, that he was going to be laughed at, spit upon. He knew that he was going to get hung on that cross, a torturous death that I don't think you and I can comprehend. He knew all that and was scared. That's right. God himself is scared because Jesus felt all the same feelings and emotions that you and I would feel if we knew that was waiting for us. Everything you would have felt, he's feeling this night. What if you knew that you were about to be tortured, that you were about to be killed? Would you be scared? 
I would be. And Jesus was. I think Jesus that night in that garden fell into a deep sorrow knowing that, that all of these friends around him, all 11 of them that had been walking so close to him, would soon scatter, leaving him all alone. I think he imagined what that painful lashing of the whips that was going to tear his back open was going to feel like. I think he dreaded the nails ripping through his hands, through his, maybe his wrists and the bones and, and his feet and his ankles. I think he already could picture his weeping mother standing at the foot of his cross and his heart broke for her. He knew what was coming and he was scared. He really confides that to his most trusted friends that night, right? Peter, James, and John as they go a little further with them. Before he goes off on his own to wrestle with God in prayer, he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He knows this is the moment of truth. His stomach is churning. His, his head is pounding. His heart is racing because if ever Jesus is going to turn back, if ever he's going to turn away from the path of suffering and sacrifice and death, here's his chance. The time is now. If he's ever going to quit, it's now or never. And so he begs his, his three closest friends that evening, the ones who knew him the best, the ones who loved him the most, he begs them to keep watch with him, to pray with him. Because if he ever needed friends to stand with him, he needs them now. If he ever needed friends to pray for him, he needs those prayers now. If he ever needed encouragement, he needs it now. So he invites them to join him, to pray with him, to pray for him on this night. And then he leaves and goes off by himself a little ways away. And he goes by himself to do battle with the greatest temptation of his life. The temptation to quit. His mind, his mind tells him to run. If he were just to turn and run, he could get away. This night would never happen. His mind tells him to run. His heart tells him to stay. Jesus' humanity begs to be delivered from what his divinity knows is coming. I mean, think about it. Jesus doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to die. The first thing he wants to do with his life is be faithful to his father. But the last thing he wants to do is suffer and die. So he goes to God in prayer that night. And interesting, his prayer isn't what we'd imagine the Son of God would pray. His prayer isn't for strength to do what he knows is right. His prayer is a desperate and honest, please. Please, Father. Please find a different way. I don't want to do this. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to die. Please, God, if you're God, please intervene in some way. 
Intervene with your great power. Please work some kind of miracle. Please find some other way because I don't want to. Please don't make me go through the hell that I know is waiting for me. Please, please, please. My guess is you've been on your knees in that same kind of place. Praying that same kind of prayer. And if you haven't been, my guess is someday you will be. You know what that prayer is, right? The diagnosis comes back as cancer. Please, God, I don't want to do this. Please find another way. Do something. Divorce threatens to split your one family into two. Please, God, do something. I don't want to do this. The phone call comes in the middle of the night, right? It's your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your grandchild, your friend. Please, God, anything but this. Please. I don't want to face the future. Do something. Maybe it's every day. You keep waiting for the baby, for the job, for the love of your life, and you're still waiting. Please, God, please do something. Because I don't want to do this. I don't want to face a tomorrow that looks like that. My guess is many of us have been to the garden. Like Jesus, you've desperately come to God begging, please. Well, Jesus confesses there in that garden that he's weary. He's scared. He says, he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Do you realize how precariously close, how, how precariously balanced our salvation is right there at that moment? All Jesus has to do is say a word and the deal is off. And he's free to go back to the Father. All he has to do is say a word and there's no bitter denial. There's no sham of a trial. There's no merciless whipping and there's no cross. Just say the word. All he has to do is say the word and he can be rescued from all this terror and from the hell that waits for him this weekend. And he begs. He doesn't say that word. Instead, he begs for his father, please, Show me another way. Make a different way. Please, God. Please. Maybe it's a prayer that you know all too well here tonight. You know, we've been working in this Lent season at being honest in our conversations with God. And so for a moment here, I'm going to invite you into the garden. 
maybe to figuratively kneel right next to Jesus and to offer your desperate pleas to God. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you desperately wish that God would do for you. Where you wish that there was some other way. But I want you to be honest with God tonight. So we're just going to take a few moments here. And in these few moments, I want to invite you to dare to open up your heart. To honestly speak your pleas to God. To speak honestly. And to listen carefully. Would you close your eyes, please? Father, in these moments, we offer you our honest words, our broken hearts, our fears for the future, our desperate requests that you would come and show your power in our lives. We give you our pleas. are so often pretty lonely conversations. Those desperate, please conversations with God. And I don't think Jesus, I would guess he never felt as alone as he did in that garden. Kneeling there, begging for some other way. Right, his disciples, he checked on them, they're all sleeping. Right, the very people that he's about to die for can't even stay awake for him. No one's here to fight the battle alongside of him. No one can do it in place of him. No person, no angel, no being in heaven on earth can come and do it instead. And yet there alone in that garden as he begs God to do something, please, to find some other way, Jesus realizes that as alone as he feels, he is far from alone. 
right? As, as the battle rages within his soul, his humanity gives way to his divinity. Because if it was up to his humanity, he'd run away. He'd be gone. He'd be done. But he knows the plan. And he knows the answer to his question even before he asked it. So he says, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, then may your will be done. Here I am, and I'll do it. And it's not possible any other way. This is the only way, and he's the only one, and he will do it, and he will suffer, and he will die. And in that garden, he reaffirmed that his heart belongs to God alone, and God will hold him close. So Jesus, from that garden, steps into an unpreferred future, right? Into a future that he wouldn't choose and doesn't want. And he steps into that future with God. And there's no turning back now. There's, there's no other way. He'll suffer. He will die. And he will trust that his father will raise him again. So I try and put myself in that garden and I wonder what it was that stopped him from taking the easy way out. What did he experience all alone there with the Father that empowered him to walk out into his suffering with confidence? I can guess, I can guess that he remembered his Father's love for him, that God whispered his deep, deep, deep love for his son that he saw the face of his father God whose love was as strong and true as ever and whose heart hurt right along with his heart and who assured him that he would be with him to the very end and I can imagine that he also remembered his own great love for you and for me I can imagine that in that garden he saw your face and he saw my face. I think he saw us next to him in the garden there pleading our pleases that we just pled. I think he saw you and I in the middle of our wilderness of sin, in the middle of, of the brokenness of this broken world and the hurts that that brings. I think he saw you brokenhearted facing the death of that person that you love so much. And I think he saw you when you were betrayed by those that you love, hurt by the ones who were closest to you. And I think he saw you with, with a physical body that, that gets broken in a heart that is weak. I think he saw us in all of our hurts and he refused to abandon us because that's what running away would have done. I think he refused to leave you and me alone and on our own. That's how much he loves us. 
So he went there to that garden, to that cross with you. He knows what it's like to be plotted against. He knows what it's like to be confused and torn between the the desire to fully trust God and the desire to run for safety. He knows what it's like to be on the receiving end of Satan's worst schemes. He knows what it's like to beg God to change his mind and to hear a gentle but firm no. This is the way it must be. But do not fear. I will be with you. So our desperate prayers of please, please God, bring us really right back to where we started this Lent season. It brings us back to okay. Right? Jesus sitting there in that garden, he hears God's faithful call to obedience and, and through the brokenness and the pain and the disappointment, he says, okay, okay, not my will, but yours. And we bring our desperate pleases to God and sometimes in his grace he says yes, And that's when we say our prayer of thanks, right? Thank you, God, for your grace. You don't have to listen, but you did. And often, he calls us, as he did to his own son, Jesus, to faithfulness through the brokenness of life. And along with Jesus, we say, okay. And we put our hand in his we walk out of that garden into the future, that frightening future, hand in hand with God. So Jesus begs the question, please God, please find some other way. And then he accepts the answer. And he commits himself to faithfulness, to God's plan above all else. And so when Jesus returns one last time to his sleeping disciples, he's no longer asking them for prayer. Now he's preparing them to step forward into the future with steely resolve. Right? His next words are, rise, let's go. Let's go, here comes my betrayer. The future is now. Knowing he never walks alone, knowing he he goes into this night with God by his side, he steps forward to meet the foe. He steps forward to drink the bitter cup that's waiting for him. He steps forward to suffer and to die. He steps forward to live out the will of God his Father in this broken reality, in this painful moment, in this hell that is waiting for him. He steps forward with the words, okay, not my will, but yours. And his resolve is strong and unbendable. And his commitment is unbreakable. He will do it with the strength of God and out of love for you. Fully committed to God's plan. Fully committed to you and to me. And he did. 
He did it. Jesus willingly suffered and willingly died for you and for me. And God the Father was faithful to his promise. And Jesus rose again on that Easter, opening the door for salvation, opening the door for forgiveness for you and for me, for all who will believe. We're going to celebrate that together on Sunday. I hope you're back here to finish that story. But first of all tonight, here, we celebrate the sacrifice, the obedience, and the love that led Jesus out of the garden into the cross. And we're going to celebrate it with the gift that our God has given us. With this sacrament here tonight, we celebrate and we remember Jesus' love for us. His, his saving work that he was willing to do for you and for me. That he was willing to say, okay, I'll do it because I love you, Father, and I love your people. And so in just a few moments as you sit, or as you come forward, I should say, with the bread and the juice, as you hold that bread, as you taste it, as you taste that juice, take a moment and hear Jesus' please. Hear his please to the Father. Please find some other way. I don't want to shed my blood. I don't want to break my body. And with the bread and the juice, please hear Jesus' bold okay. I'll do it out of love. And as you hold that bread and that juice, maybe you'll be willing to speak your okay. Okay, God. Not my will, but yours. Or maybe you'll be able with this bread and this juice to speak your thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift. Hear God's great love for you in this sacrament. So if you've accepted that love for yourself, and if you love Jesus enough to give your whole self to him, if you're willing to say okay to letting God be king and Lord of your life, then you're invited to this table tonight. So in just a few moments, either... Tim down this aisle or myself down this aisle is going to invite you to come forward to the table that's in front of your section and receive communion from the elders there. So you'll gather around each table. We'd love to have you come forward as a family. Even if your children are not going to participate, if they could be part of the community receiving the sacrament, you're welcome to bring them along. Come down uh, the, the, um, the, set, the aisles here on the sides. And the center aisles come back up the center aisle. And the other sections, go when you're done, go back up the wall aisle. And if you're unable to come forward for communion, then either Tim or I will serve you in your seat as well. Just nod to us and we'll be happy to do that. But before we come and we hear Jesus' love for us and we speak Jesus, our love for him, would you join me in prayer? Father, we come to this table 
this table of grace, honest about who we are. Our sins are too heavy to carry. They're too deep to undo and too real to hide. You see our sin more clearly than we can ourselves. You know that we are often indifferent to your word. You know how often we forget to pray. You know the times we come willingly to worship. You know how often we turn to you only when we're in trouble. You know when we are untruthful. You know when we think evil of others. You know how hard it is for us to forgive. You know how often we deny you. And you still invite us to come. You still welcome us to this table. You still greet us as your children. That is love. That is grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your great sacrifice for us. Amen. The elders who are going to help me serve in the worship team, would you please come forward now?